All right, open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. We're going to get back into the concepts of, of spiritual growth. And, and really, uh, this week we're talking about leaders. Everybody say, leaders. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Paul writes, the natural man, the sukikos, does not un- accept the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, does not accept is a very strong word in the Greek. It literally means to push away and reject. Does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of Christ so as to instruct him? But we have the, mi- the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as mere infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh, you are still sarkikos. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? When, for when one says, I follow Paul, and the other, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he knew plants nor he knew waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building." Now, I want us to remember that there are three kinds of people in churches. There is the natural man. This is a person who's not saved. Everybody say, not saved. And remember, we see in John 8, beginning around verse 30 to 32, there are many people who believe in Jesus, but they've never become a disciple. They've never held the planting of the incorruptible seed of the Word in their heart. So they're the natural man. They're sukikos. Now, this person only understands empirical data. These are the the people who believe that science is the ultimate law of life. Everything has to be quantified. Everything can be analyzed with our physical senses. They do not accept the things of the Spirit. They can't comprehend them. We do not reject science as Christians. Everybody say, we don't reject science. I mean, if you measure this speaker and it's, what, 24 inches long or 26 inches long, we accept that. I mean, we, I have no problem with science. But there's a different dimension beyond science. There's the spirit realm. There's the what? And I'm sorry, you cannot use the concepts of science and empirical data to measure the size of an angel, to measure the length of heaven, to measure the size of God's throne. To weigh, how much does an angel weigh? Do different angels weigh different amounts? I mean, your human senses are not going to be able to comprehend the spirit realm. So we said when a person gets born again, we get opened up to the revelation knowledge of the spirit realm. Now, we are now no longer a Sukikos person. We've been born again. We are now a Sarkikos Christian. Everybody say Sarkikos. This is a fleshly or a carnal person. You're born again, but there's not a lot of spiritual growth that has happened. This, everybody starts as sarkikos. Everybody starts as an infant. Everybody say, an infant. Now, an infant that stays an infant, that is where the problem is that the people had in Corinth. They didn't just start as a sarkikos. They eternally lived as a sarkikos Christian. 
A Sarkikos Christian is unstable in doctrine, unstable in leadership, unstable in, or incapable of receiving the meat of the Word of God necessary to grow. The works of the flesh are growing in their life, but not the works of the Spirit. Their life is full of division. They're church hoppers, you name it. The third type of Christian is a pneumaticos Christian. This is a person who's born again. So they started as a natural man. They got born again as a baby Christian. They were a Sarkikos Christian. But then they allowed the ministry of the Word of God in their life. Everybody say, they ate the Word. They drank the milk of the Word. They ate the meat of the Word. And they growed. They're not perfect people. There's nobody perfect but Jesus. But these are people that are growing in God. Everybody say, growing in God. We learn that these people evaluate all things. They're not a, they, they receive correction and instruction willingly. They gently restore their brothers that are caught in a Galatians 6 slip-up. They have eyes to see people who are carrying spiritual burdens too heavy to carry and help them begin to carry them. And then we began to understand, all right, how, how do we grow from this sarkikos into a pneumaticos person? And we said it all involves the Word. Everybody say, all involves the Word. So we kept singing the song, read your Bible and you will. You are not going to grow apart from the Word. And again, I stress the point. In much of modern Christianity where they've taken the Bible out of the services and maybe there's just one verse used and we don't want to bore people quote unquote with the Bible. And I'm sorry, this is why, this is why their membership is Sarkikos. This is why they're still in the clubs, while they're still living in sexual immorality, while they're still living in alcoholism, because they've never grown, because they don't get the Word. It takes the Word of God to grow. Everybody say, it takes the Word. We went through that in great detail last week. Now I want to pick up from there and begin to pick up or really return to a theme that we started on in chapter 1. And it's really going to come out again and again and again through the rest of 1 Corinthians and through the rest of 2 Corinthians. And that's the question of the relationship of leaders to God's people. Everybody say, the relationship of leaders to God's people. Now, 1 and 2 Corinthians is a tremendous contrast between a correction of a wrong relationship with spiritual leaders and Paul teaching them respect for spiritual leaders. So many of the things I'm going to teach you today come across negative as if spiritual leaders are irrelevant and nothing. But Paul's not trying to say that. He's just saying, first, I need to dismantle your wrong concepts of spiritual leadership brought in by your culture of patronage and begin to rebuild a proper basis of respect for spiritual leaders from the Scripture. Everybody say, a proper foundation. Now, this is a church that showed more disrespect for Paul and his leadership than all of the other churches combined. This is a church that always looked down their nose at Paul. This is a church that Paul looks at them and says, what is it with you people? You've got these super apostles among you who claim to be all this, and they slap you in the face, and they, they exploit you financially, and, and you seem to love it. So what is it with you folks? This is the church that had such a wrong concept of leadership that it would ultimately destroy their walk with God. 
Now, I want us to begin to dismantle this, and it's going to come up again and again and again. So I just warn you, this patronage thing that we started on in chapter 1, this, everybody say patronage. Let's quickly remind ourselves. Patronage is a system of leadership started by Romulus when he started the ancient city of Rome. It is a foundation stone of Rome. It is a foundation stone of Western civilization. It is a foundation stone of democracy. Of what? I didn't hear you. It permeates most cultures in the world. It is the concept that there's a leader and there's a follower. And the leader draws his self-esteem and self-worth from the number of his followers and the wealth and the success of his followers. And the followers draw their, their self-esteem by living vicariously through the wealth and the success of the leader. He said, now listen, this, this, is, not, this is not the way leadership is to work in the body of Christ. Everybody say, not the way it's supposed to work. Now let's start with verse 4. Paul said, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human or sarkikos? He said, you're, you're, you're not, excuse me, not even sarkikos, sukikos. Are you not simply acting like an unregenerate man? Are you not simply looking at things the way the secular world and the world's secular culture looks at things? Now, this concept of following a person was a problem that Paul dealt with constantly. Let me just read you the first few verses of it in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 12. What I mean is that each of you says, everybody say, each of you says. Each of you says. So this is not an isolated problem in a small group of people in the church. This leaven of false doctrine regarding leadership had permeated every member of the church. Paul is dealing with a pervasive false doctrine regarding leadership in the church. And it's not something they were shy about. They were actually proud of it. They spoke it out of the abundance of their heart. Their mouth spoke. He said, for each one of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6. He said, I've applied these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit. So this is going to come up again a few more times before chapter 6, before chapter 4. He said, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos. Everybody say, they were friends. Apollos and he were on the same page about this. Brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. Biblical leadership principles flow from the word. Not go beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. That none of you may be lifting up one leader above another leader. Now you say, well, pastor, what's really happening here? Let's go back to that word follow. He said, well, one of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. The Greek word here for follow is imi, E-I-M-I. It's a fascinating word. It literally means be. Everybody say be, B-E. So literally they were saying, I be Apollos, I be Paul. 
Everybody say, I be Paul. I be Apollos. To expand the translation, we would say, to have the same quality of being, to be identical. In other words, they were saying, I'm identical to Paul. I want to be just like Paul. Not me. I be Apollos. I want to be identical to Apollos. We would use a modern word today called clone. Everybody say clone. Say it again. I am the clone of Paul. I am the perfect representation of Paul. I am identical to Paul. I have the same genetic makeup spiritually as Apollos. I have the spiritual DNA of Apollos. I'm using terms that people in the church world use today, forgive me, to say the same things. And Paul said, listen, this, this is not supposed to be like this. Paul had grown up in Judaism where he had seen this disciple of different rabbis thing. And now he saw the same thing fleshed out in the Gentile world. If you go with us to Israel, one of the strange things, because I spent a lot of time at the wall, so one of the strange things you learn at the wall is <laughs> disciples. You'll see that they wear big black hats, the ultra-Orthodox, one group of them at least. But even within the black hats, there are different sizes of black hats, different edges to the black hats. And one day I sat there with a friend, and I said, why are the hats different? He said, well, this one is following, and he named a rabbi from like 300 years ago. And this hat over here shows that he's following this other rabbi from Czechoslovakia from about 200 years ago. And that hat over there, and he just, he, he just knew all this stuff. Your hat represented your spiritual DNA. And then I said, what about these guys? Now, there are one group down there at the... the the wall, these are the ultra-Orthodox of the ultra-Orthodox. They wear these long black coats and pants that come to just below the knee and then white socks, white socks, and this big fur hat that looks like they just killed a rabbit or something. And I said, what about those guys? He said, oh, they're, they're the disciples of a rabbi from about 600 years ago. And that's how that rabbi dressed 600 years ago, so they still dress exactly like that rabbi 600 years ago. And you just go, I would not want anybody in COP to dress like me, let alone 600 years later. And he said, they have to wear the hat, they have to dress according to the rabbi that they follow. Now, Paul had grown up in Judaism, he understood this stuff. He said, what, what is it with you guys? You want to clone me. You want to clone Apollos. You want to clone Cephas. You want to clone Peter. He said, what is it with you folks? You're so busy trying to be like a person when that is not what God called you to be like. You have been called to be like Christ. I, I didn't hear you. Romans 8 verse 29. For those whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. 
you are predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. Whose steps? Whose steps? John 13, beginning with verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, Jesus said, and you are right, for so I am. If I then am your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Now, one of the great breaks in Judaism, between Judaism and Christianity, is every rabbi had their disciples. But the apostles did not have their disciples. They were to make disciples of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? This is the great break between Judaism and Christianity. This is the great break between Christianity and the culture of this world. We do not teach people to follow us. We teach people to follow Christ. Are you getting a hold of this? Everybody say, loyalty flows up. The apostles were not out to make disciples for themselves. They didn't want everybody to dress like them. I mean, we're going to dress like fishermen. All right. I be Peter. I be Cephas. So that means we're going to dress like a fisherman. I be Pastor Sumrall. Got to shave your head. We'll rename Cathedral of Praise Cathedral of the Colbo. Now, now, folks, I'm being ridiculous to drive home a point. Everything about Christianity is about pointing people to Christ and people being like Christ. I, I didn't hear you. I, I didn't hear you. Now, when you start, I be a leader and I, I follow this person, then you are behaving as a sarkikos or maybe even a sukis a Sukikos person. Now remember Sarkikos, arrested spiritual development, unstable in your doctrine, unstable in your spiritual leadership that you follow. Why? Because Paul said, you're blown around by every wind of doctrine. There's unstable in doctrine. Whatever, whatever your preacher says, you swallow it. You're not supposed to swallow everything a pastor says. You're supposed to be like the Bereans. Search the scriptures to see if these things be so. You're not supposed to swallow everything Pastor Summerall says. You're supposed to appraise all things. We talked to you that a few weeks ago. You are to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I, I didn't hear you. Oh, I'm going to be a clone of Pastor Summerall. Well, then you're going to go to hell. You're supposed to follow Christ. Oh, you know, Pastor Summerall, Paul said to follow him. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In other words, he's still pointing you beyond himself to Christ. Everybody say, loyalty flowed up. It was all about pointing people to Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, you, you, you look around the world today, and you begin to see, well, let me just use some of the terms that people use today. We wish to reproduce our DNA in you. Why? We want you to be like us. I don't want to be like you. 
I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus will live out his life in me very differently than other people. Are we still here? Alingbawa. Sister Bev is funny and crazy and loves jokes. I mean, you walk with her in a shopping mall. I mean, she'll be walking down the middle of a shopping mall and all of a sudden go, la! And Pastor A and I go, hmm. I mean, she's funny and she's crazy and I'm boring and quiet. But you know what? That's who Jesus is lived out through her and this is who Jesus is lived out through me. Did you understand what I just said? Jesus does not want you to look like anybody else. He wants you to let him live out through you who he is in you. Used to be years ago when I preached church growth conferences, everybody taught the Bible. This is how to build Christian life. This is how to train people to become leaders. I mean, it was just line upon line, verse upon verse. Now if you go to a church growth conference, it's how to develop your social media structure. Oh, and there's another seminar on understanding your church's DNA and how to present your church culture. I just had a friend talk to me the other day. He said, Dave, he said, you, just, you really need to market your church culture. I said, we don't have a church culture. We're just kind of fun. He said, no, no, no. He said, you have a church culture. He said, let, let me sit down and, and help you list and, and define your church culture. And then you go places and you teach pastors, this is what you want to get your people to act like. I said, I've never told our people to act like they act. They just act like they act. Now, now, now folks, please. This whole thing of we're going to, and when I asked him, I said, why do you want to do this? He said, well, you know, we used to have a lot of church problems and church splits until we taught people our church culture, and now we no longer have church splits. I said, no, you have boring conformity. I don't want boring conformity. I want Jesus to live out his life through you. Look at the person next to you and say, I want to be like Jesus. Shout it, please. You don't want somebody else's spiritual DNA. You don't want somebody else's culture. You want to be who Jesus wants you to be. Look at the person next to you and say, I want to be like Jesus. Say it again. Now, when you, you get all of these multiple cultures of, of Christianity, and this is who we are, and this is who you are, and you know, I, I don't want to go to Africa and teach Africans to sing like we sing. And I don't necessarily want the Africans to teach us to dance like they dance. I like how our people dance, but I also like how the Africans dance. That's Jesus living out through them, and that's Jesus living out through us. Did you hear what I just said? We, we sing a different rhythm. We got a different wiggle in the middle. We got, you know. And when they dance, grabe do they dance. I'd need healing if I did that for 30 seconds. But that's Jesus living through them. Now, now please, brothers and sisters, when we, we start trying to put cultures on people, we start trying to put spiritual DNA in people, all this is is saying, I be Apollos or I be Paul. And Paul said, when you do that, verse 3, he said, there's jealousy. There's what? Now, the Greek word jealousy there is zealous. It literally means 
a longing to take what belongs to somebody else. It's not just envy, it's jealousy. See, the difference is envy just looks at what somebody else has. Jealousy wants to take what somebody else has. Everybody say, take away. Say it again. I, I, I didn't hear you. Everybody say, take it away. Like, it, will you love me if I give you a really bad illustration? Never mind. Can I give you a really bad illustration? Pastor Ray down in Davao was telling me the story of a pastor of another denomination here in our, in our own nation. And they were telling him how in their church, once they have inroads to a influential or wealthy person from another church, they receive a budget from their church to take that person out for dinner and to take them out for Starbucks to recruit them into their church. That's called recruiting. Everybody say, recruiting. That's like headhunters for, you know, employment agencies. That's zealous. That's jealousy. Are, are we still here? The second thing is strife. He said, when you're behaving like this, there's jealousy and strife among you. Now, strife literally means a bitter disagreement regarding opinions. It's not about right and wrong. It's about opinions. It's about what? When churches start promoting their DNA, when leaders start promoting their church culture, we have strife. We have bitter conflicts about things that mean absolutely absolutely nothing. Everybody say, things that mean nothing. For instance, in our church, we like electric instruments and electric keyboards, and we like drums because it's a big auditorium. But there are other churches, they don't like electric anything. They like acoustic. Now, you know what? If they want to worship with an acoustic guitar, it's a smaller building. Everybody can hear it. Why do we want to argue whether... Well, you know, Paul didn't have electric drums. Paul never had a sound system. Paul never had electric instruments. There was no electricity. We had to return to the ancient ways. Small buildings with acoustic guitar. Well, what makes you think Paul had a 12-string guitar? See, we're arguing about silliness. Everybody say silliness. Say it again. I mean, I've listened to pastors argue for hours on whether you should have theater seats, whether you should have pews, or whether you should have individual stacking chairs. Which one is more spiritual? And I sat there and listened for a while, and finally I looked at him and I said, I have an answer for you. They said, what? I said, how long is your sermon? 18 to 20 minutes. A hard pew will do just fine. How long is your sermon? 45 minutes. A padded stacking chair is fine. Our church, my sermon might go an hour and a half. I need a nice chair that they can lean back in. And they all laughed and laughed and laughed at me. But I was just trying to show them how ridiculous it is. Folks, at some point, everybody has a different opinion. That's okay. I didn't hear you. So, all right, 
We've dealt with this. I be Apollos. I be Peter. Now take it a step farther. Verse 5. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned them. Now here Paul begins to lower the status. And I don't know any other way to say it. He lowers the status of preachers in the minds of these people. Now, later he will teach them respect. But right now in this patronage system, he said, listen, let's, let's just dethrone preachers. He said, let's just, let's just get preachers off the throne. He said, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Number one, we're just a servant. We're just a what? Say it again. And number two, we're just a field hand. Verse 7, or verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered. Everybody say, a worker in a field. Now, he doesn't say they're the owners of the field. He doesn't say the pastor owns the field. He doesn't say the pastor is the master and has servants. He just said, let me tell you what I am. Let me tell you what Apollos really is. He said, I am a servant. The Greek word diakonos, you know well, it means deacon, messenger, helper, attendant, a waiter at a table. Everybody say, just a servant. And the field hand takes it even lower. A servant can work inside with a little dignity. A field hand is going to get brutalized by the sun every day. He said, I don't own the field. I just work in, I'm just a field. Everybody say, a field hand. Now, in, in their mind, this is somebody who got paid a daily wage. They were hired day by day to go work in the field. It was hard, backbreaking. It was, it was the lowest work in their culture and society. These were not business owners. These were not professionals. These were the lowest level workers in Corinthian society. He said, this is what a pastor is. He said, we are servants and we are field hands. And he said, you know, all we do as the Lord assigned to each. He said, we don't even make decisions about what we're supposed to do. We're not decision makers. We're just implementers. We're just servants who do what we are told to do. Everybody say, servants who do what they are told to do. He said, listen, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just the janitor. He said, listen, man, I, I'm just a field hand working, working in the field. He said, you, you need to get over this idea. Now, you have to understand, Paul is dealing in Corinth where there's a group of men who call themselves super apostles. They call them what? Paul, apostle nalang. I call a super apostle. I'm an A-lister. The arrogance of it all. Paul said, listen, this whole thing that you've got about superstar preachers, he said, you know what? That has nothing to do with God. Are we still here? Are we still here? One of my relatives one time introduced me to one of his friends. I'm, this relative was not saved. And he introduced me to one of his friends, and he said, you know, my, my, my uncle here is a, is a pastor, but he's not like a pastor. He's like a rock star pastor. 
I'm going, yeah, right. I look like a rock star called Mo Daba. Now, you see, the world always wants to come up with these hierarchies and these definitions. And Paul said, would you please get that patronage world culture out of your thinking and understand that all we are as men and women of God is a servant, is a field hand who does what God has assigned. Everybody say, just doing, just doing what we have been told to do. Say it again. Now, when you understand that, Paul said, let's begin to understand the relationship that I and Apollos have. Because they were friends. That's why he gets to chapter 4, verse 6. He said, I've used Apollos and I as, as an illustration to help you understand. He said, what then is Apollos, or what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but it is God who gives the growth. Now, back up just a little bit. Go on to, I'm sorry, go on to verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. They are what? So Paul said, you need to understand something. Apollos and I, we're one. There is unity in our diversity. We are one. Everybody say, we're one. I'm doing the planting right now. Apollos is doing the watering right now because that's what God assigned. But he said, we have one purpose. He said, later on, maybe I'll be doing the watering and Apollos will be doing the planting. He said, there, there is interchangeability in this. There is diversity in this because God gives us different assignments. But he said, we just have one purpose. He said, there is no competition between Apollos and I. We're one. Everybody say, no competition. You know, this is a harvest field, not a battlefield. Did you hear what I just said? He said, this, this is a harvest field. And the Greek word there for field is a beautiful word. It means a cultivated field is being planted. He said, this is a place of productivity. This is not a place of war. He said, we've been sent into a harvest field, not a battlefield. He said, we have one purpose. We want to produce a harvest of souls. He said, we're one in purpose. He said, you know, whatever God assigns us, we do it. Sometimes I plant, sometimes Apollos plants, sometimes I water, sometimes Apollos waters. He said, you've got to get over this thing about the specialization of ministry. Do you remember how Paul wrote to young Timothy? He said, Timothy, you're a pastor. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of a what? You know, sometimes we, we, we've got this thing all messed up in our brain, and this is my little spot. This is my little thing. Well, no, we have the ministry. We have a field of souls that need to, to come into the kingdom of God. And whatever God assigns us to do, we do. Sunday morning, I'm standing up here preaching like a pastor. If you go with us at one of our crusades, I'm a very different person. I'm standing up preaching salvation and healing just like an evangelist. I said, Pastor, I didn't know you. One, one of my members walked, Pastor, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could act like that. Act like what? Well, you know what you were doing tonight. I said, I was just going for healing and souls. You see, 
as the Lord assigns us, we do different functions within the harvest field. But the purpose is only to grow a, everybody say, the purpose is the harvest. Now, let me close down with this. The only thing that's important, so Paul has dethroned pastors, and I know it looks very respectful the way he, disrespectful the way he's talking, but he's not being disrespectful about himself. He's just saying, let's, let's get this back into a more biblical understanding. Let's, let's dethrone the ministry and understand it's all about Jesus. Everybody say, dethrone the ministry and understand it's all about Jesus. In verse 9, you are God's field. You are God's building. You don't belong to a preacher. He said, listen, the, the Apollos is irrelevant. I am irrelevant. You are God's field. You are God's building. Everybody say, God owns me. And then he says, God assigns the task. God told me to work on this in the building your life. God told me to plant this in your life. God told me to water this in your life. But he said, listen, I, I'm just doing what God assigned me to do. God's in charge. Everybody say, God's the owner. God's in charge. Thirdly, God rewards. Verse 8. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. Now, we all understand that. If a person works hard, they make more money. Is that right? If they don't work hard, they make less money. So Paul said, listen, you know, there are going to be pastors that, that have different levels of prosperity because their reward comes according to their, everybody say according to their labor. Now notice, it's not the people that reward them. Now this is patronage, remember. In patronage, the people paid the pastors. The people honored their patron. Everybody say, support. This is why you don't, we don't let you give money to us around here at COP. It's not your job to support us. It's God's job. I, I didn't hear you. See, the whole thing about you supporting us is patronage. You don't support us. God rewards us according to our labor. And that's why when we have pastors that are taking money from you, they, they go hit, they go bye-bye. Because as soon as pastors start taking money from you, we start getting this competition among pastors for who can, who can collect the most money. Are we still here? Do you realize that if I personally took gifts from you, how rich I would be? I would drive a gold-plated Mercedes-Benz. We don't live like that around here. You don't support us. You return your tithe to God, and God provides for us. Are we still here? But, you know, other churches, they set up this thing where, you know, you go onto this website, and you can give to whatever pastor you want to give to. Patronage. I, I didn't hear you. Everybody say, patronage. Now, you are deciding how hard a person worked and not God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Are we still here? You are trying to take God's place. God said, no. They'll receive his wages according to his labor. Hard work makes money. Lazy, count it. 
But then he closes out. God gave the growth, verse 6. Who gives the growth? It's not me who accomplishes anything in your spiritual life. It is only God. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I didn't make you grow spiritually. God did. Paul said, Apollos, as tremendous as a teacher Apollos was, he didn't make you grow spiritually. God did. Who makes you grow? God gives the? He said, I can plant the seed of the word. Apollos can water the seed of the word. Sometimes Apollos will plant the seed, and sometimes I'll water, depending on the assignment God gave us. But he said, we can't cause spiritual growth in your life. We can't cause life in you. Only God gives the growth. Everybody say, only God. Say it again. So never look and say, well, after sitting under this pastor's ministry, I grew. No. It doesn't work like that. Only God gives the growth. Who gives the growth? So where should your eyes always be? On God. Who should you want to be like? Jesus. Now, now brothers and sisters, again, Paul has really been strong in them. And even in our culture today, this is strong teaching. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You must keep your eyes on Jesus. Everybody shout, I must keep the focus. I must keep the focus of my life on Jesus. Say it again. Would you stand with me, please? Now let me throw out one other little encouraging application. All the Connect Group leaders that are here, would you raise your hand? All Connect Group leaders. Connect Group leaders, make sure you go to the Leadership Hub. That's a closed group just for leaders. We're starting to do all the postings now. I, I will warn you in advance, you cannot copy it and post it anyplace else. It won't let you. Uh, but everybody say, just for the leaders. But leaders, here's a thought just for you. You don't need to be stressed about growth. You can't make your connect group grow. God makes it grow. You, you can't make the spiritual life of one of your connect group members or your go group members grow. Only God can. Everybody say, God gives the growth. Go group leaders, listen to me. You plant the seed of the word. You be faithful in planting the word. You be faithful in cultivating the word and watering the word. Let God cause the growth. Get out from under the stress. Get out from under the pressure. You, you can't make people grow spiritually. You can't make even your sons or daughters' parents grow spiritually. Are we still here? We've all tried, Diva. We, we can't cause spiritual growth and change in people's lives. So, leaders, get over the guilt and the stress of all of this and understand our job as leaders is as, as God assigns us the task, we plant the word. As God assigns us the task, we, we water the word. But God gives the growth in people's lives. Everybody say, God gives the growth. 
God is the source of life, not me, not you. Now, now when you, you really get a revelation of this thing, it sets you free. I mean, you're just free. There's no guilt, there's no stress, there's no pressure. And then all of a sudden, everything starts growing and you go, but I don't feel stressed anymore. You're, yeah, you're right. You just figured out it's not your job to change people. It's God's job. Did you hear what I just said? It's not your job to even change your children. You can correct them and discipline them, but only God can change them. That's called spiritual growth. So get out from under the stress of this. Get out from under the pressure of this. Get out, get out from under the, the uh, just get out from under it. And just go, God, I'm going to do what you assigned me to do. I'm going to plant the word. I'm going to water the word. But God, you're the one that has to make it grow in people's lives. You're the one that has to help their spiritual life grow and develop. You're the one that's going to help them grow out of that fleshly attitude. You're going you're to, everybody say, God's going to change them. Say it again. Does that help you today? Now, now see, this to me is not Paul diminishing pastors. This to me is Paul setting a generation of leaders free in Corinth because they can't change anybody. Now, maybe the super apostles, they're good at putting on a show, but the rest of the guys, the rest of the leaders, they know they can't fix anybody's life. We're not a source of life. God is. Did you hear me?